everyone. Welcome to another podcast. My name is Sarah Dietschy, rhymes with peachy if you're new around here, trying to get y'all to live your best creative life. This episode is a special one because I'm partnering with the Ad Council for their She Can Stim campaign. This is a very close thing to my heart as I was a young gal pursuing electrical engineering and computer science in college. I've always been very into math and science. Um, And even though I'm not an engineer now, I get to share that intersection between tech and creativity every day on my YouTube channel, which I am so hashtag blessed to explore. It's, It's a lot of fun, but this, you know, this is a very close thing to my heart and and Ad Council actually gave me some intriguing talking points. So if you'll bear with me for 30 seconds, I'm actually going to read what they gave me because um, it's, it's pretty interesting. But regardless of who you are, your background, your age, your gender, this is such an amazing podcast. So um, please, please stick around. Research shows that girls like STEM subjects, but as they get older, they start to feel that STEM isn't for them based on outdated stereotypes. As girls look around for female role models, they don't see anyone who looks like they do. If we want girls to succeed in STEM, we have to show them it's possible. So there's a lot of amazing people, organizations, companies involved with this campaign. And honestly, it's just such an honor to be a part of it as Saradici rhymes with peachy. Um, so let's get into it. Welcome to That Creative Life. Hi, my name is Saradici and I am your host. I talk with artists, YouTubers, CEOs, and everyone in between. I hope this podcast helps you live your best creative life. Enjoy. What's up, guys? Welcome to another podcast episode. My name is Sarah Dietschy, and I'm here with the beautiful <laughs> Billy Whitehouse. Wow. <laughs> what do you have on your head for the people who are watching the video version of this? I have a pair of Naughty X pants. Love they it. are intelligent yoga pants. They read and understand your body orientation with embedded technology, and they give you vibrational feedback where to focus. It's all paired with your app. Oh, my and gosh. It means you can practice yoga anywhere, anytime. That is so exciting this episode is going to be so fun because personally i have a lot of questions when it comes to wearable tech and also you know you're you're a designer right you're a ceo and a designer Mm -hmm. so i talk to a lot of creative people whether they're graphic designers or um you know videographers filmmakers so you being in like the do you do you specify the type of design you do because i'm very used to the like oh, I do stuff in Illustrator and Photoshop, but you design clothes and technology. I do. I would actually say that like lots of designers into the future at least kind of do a bit of design across all platforms. I'd say like my my better skill sets are probably more around design thinking Mm -hmm. and looking at interesting problems and how you use those solutions to, I would say, jam together ideas from all walks of life Mm -hmm. to create something that's entirely new. And that's the stuff that I would say makes me the happiest. 100%. So you are the CEO of Wearable X. X. Um, And how did this journey begin? Where where did you get the ideas to merge technology and fashion? So I was working for a design university in Australia. I have a funny accent, if you couldn't tell. (laughs) Couldn't tell at all. And um, part of my task and role there was everything from alumni relations to researching what was happening in the industry. And then they asked me to write their five and 10 year plan, uh, basically surrounded with 
the technologies that were affecting education, how design might look in five and 10 years. And I got super excited by 3D printing and I would say digital printing and mass customization and then how that worked in with sensors and data and how designing data or even understanding data properly as a designer was going to be really powerful. Mm. And I, I built a few, I would say, business models that they I would say delightfully ignored and (laughs) I was so excited by the research that I'd been doing that when a advertising agency actually came to me and said we'd like you to work on something it's going to be a viral campaign Um, and I told them yeah yeah sure (laughs) I'll believe that when I see it Um, I eventually ended up building a product that was vibrating knickers for couples in long distance relationships that is so so that was kind of your first journey into this world it was indeed that is such a gold story (laughs) thank you did you think that like oh this is the future maybe it's undergarments maybe you know like what made you think yoga pants after that yeah there was quite a journey to getting to yoga pants from there and actually i do have another question about like in any part of your brain were you like we need to mass produce these because there was so much demand a hundred percent we had a contract immediately for the client the next day being like here's how you mass produce them And because I'm that kind of entrepreneur, when we didn't hear from them for quite some time, I went over to London and found the head of sexual well-being worldwide and said, here's the contract, here's the product, what do you think? And eventually we got the deal signed. But it took a year. Right. I'm sure that process is is so long. I I do merch in the process of getting an idea onto a shirt and then manufactured and distributed. And so I can only imagine what it's like when now you have technology woven in the seams and so I I was watching some stuff about you online and you said it's kind of like writing music for the body and I thought that was so cool because I've always been into music I'm a musician um and so talk a little bit about like what touch means and and how like why do you make that analogy yeah with Um, music this even starts from product number one to product number 10 Mm -hmm. and you can imagine that there are many iterations of every product as you move it along and as you test it Mm -hmm. Um, but the reason we compare it to music is in fact the back end looks not dissimilar to a score Um, And the way you change the frequency and the intensity of the vibrations, their location, how many times they rotate, how often you want that to rotate within a particular millisecond sequence, Mm -hmm. um, that we all change on the fly. Um, And I can show you what the back end looks like because it is, it really is very melodic once you start feeling it. And when I explain it, especially on, let's say, video or podcast, I often use like strange intonating sounds like gagoom, gagoom because we can replace or reflect that feeling of a heartbeat Mm. with those sequences of vibrations on the body there's there's such an interesting science around vibration in general and a a beautiful philosopher and I can't say that this is my saying but I would like to um said (laughs) this podcast yeah yeah sure (laughs) um said that everything in life is vibration Hmm. And vibration in that sense is a transference of energy. And if you think about an object in space or whether it's sound or whether it's water flying through the air on a rainy afternoon in New York City, Hmm. there is truly vibration around everything that happens. And it is truly understandable language like music is when when you build it on the body in a really interesting and seamless way. Um, That, don't get me wrong, we've made many mistakes 
throughout our time in doing this and we've actually seen really interesting feedback between how men and women understand that vibrational language, how children understand it. Children are remarkably receptive. Hmm. It's it's like watching them on an iPhone for the first time. So there's there's something really powerful here and we're really just at the beginning of, of discovering this. That's cool. And because this is a podcast, you know, first it's audio. So um, some people aren't seeing the product, but just to get a grasp of, you know, why, why does there need to be tech in my yoga pants? Can you kind of explain the process of what is happening and like why, you know, should someone be interested in that? Yeah. I'm going to take you on my personal journey. Yes. Both Bring of, us. Yeah. Both of um, discovering yoga and my, I guess, my body. <laughs> so I have to admit something. I've never been to a yoga class. I went, well, I went to two Pilates classes in college. Great. What's the difference between Pilates and yoga? There's quite a difference. Okay. I'm not sure what Pilates class you went to. Some of them often include a reformer. Gotcha. Okay. Were you in one of those classes? You know, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. But okay. but I need I need to after this I will try yoga and maybe try them with with your yoga pants. Please do. <laughs> um, so I had done yoga in the past. I actually started doing yoga when I was in university and then got a bit slack. And then went and did my master, my masters, not my masters, <laughs> my, um, masters. my masters. My masters <laughs> came back and was. A highly, highly stressed human um, and realized that from all of my running that I was getting more and more injuries. And then when I eventually mm. moved to the States, I really started getting into yoga. So that was five, six years ago now. Um, and I started realizing how much money I was spending on yoga. And then I was becoming quite pedantic about the studios I wanted to go to because you kind of you want the studio with the teacher that you like. Right. And then that's not always at the time that's appropriate for you. And then when you go to that teacher- There's a lot involved. You really want the music to be good. And then if you really get the music right and you really get the teacher right, you're really hoping that they'll do the like hands-on adjustments. Right. So there's all these things that I kept thinking, well, I'm not getting that, but I'm paying for this. And then now I started to calculate how much money I had spent on going mm. to all these classes especially when you're in cities like new york yeah. or la those can get pricey it racks up <laughs> and so i was like this isn't something i want i think i can keep doing right especially if you're going to occasionally indulge in like a more expensive class as well mm-hmm. so eventually when we'd been building products that used vibration I knew that it was possible to be able to guide the body using vibration but I needed to figure out how we could sense and understand the body's orientation Um, and when I met a few of the right people and kept having the conversation everyone said that's 100% possible it'll just take time Um, and then one engineer in fact told me no no you'll never be able to achieve that not in this time frame and needless to say often when people tell you that it's the best reason to do it heck yes (laughs) Uh, so part of it was this personal frustration with the time the money and not really getting the attention that I thought that I deserved and then the bigger part was I knew that these technologies could be paired I had never done it before but that always means you should probably try Mm -hmm. that's good that's so cool so I have my pants on, my yoga pants on. And is it does it bring you through the the pose like you pick a pose or in it like how how? So let me I'll take you from the beginning. First you put your pants on. Put my pants on. Pants I'm there. on. Great. One quick side note, I really did want to make it all voice activated when we started so that you could say things like pants on, pants off. Would have been I'm ready for that future I know. in the next iteration. Yes, right? exactly. Um, so you've got your pants on. You've charged a little device called the Pulse. Okay. Now the Pulse clips just behind your left knee. This has the battery, the PCB, and the Bluetooth module in it. Okay. Now that connects back to your smartphone. And once you're connected, you set your vibrational strength. 
So 99% of our customers use full ball, so yep. 100%. Some people like it a little lower. In fact, it's really interesting feedback, but the older generation like it a little softer. Mm-hmm. They don't need quite the intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you've set that, then you'll get a full pose library. So there are 30 poses in the original pose library. library and you can go from top to bottom, and that is a full 40 minutes of yoga. Or you can jump around and choose the poses that suit you on that day and what your body's been doing, whether mm-hmm. you've slept a little less or been on an airplane cooped up. Interesting. That's crazy. I want to go all the way back to your school days. Oh, yeah. So right now you're, you know, this CEO of a company. And I'm sure you're in charge of people. You're doing all the big things. But where did it start? Like, what were you interested in in high school that you think links to now because like I was an electrical engineering major in college I switched to computer science and even though um those days are you know filled with a lot of memories of staying up late not sleeping um in hindsight there's so many connections I feel like to what I'm doing now and now that I explore tech and my YouTube videos and stuff like that it kind of just helps me dive deeper I think um so first of all where did the design like where did you first think that you were like okay I'm going to be a designer or I'm interested in clothes I'm interested in technology where did that begin um I would say I'm a little bit more rebellious okay um and although I loved school and I very much thrived in school I was one of those like I was a prefect I was a sports captain I was in mm-hmm. the choir very frustrating human um <laughs> I loved it actually like I'm one of those sad teenagers who was like I just love school I love school yeah <laughs> I really love school um there's no shame no shame in that I honestly it was, it was wonderful <laughs> I was climbing trees and scraping my knees until I was 18 love it um I definitely did extension mathematics extension English um I I started to realize that maths wasn't a, a topic that was hyper challenging um hence why I took up extra topics and mm-hmm. I I actually think the the philosophical side of mathematics was the part that made me the most excited. Hmm. Um, but I also really loved languages yeah. um, and I love Dive music. deeper into that. What do you mean philosophical side of math? Is that more like, oh, you're a linear algebra type person where, where you're like Definitely was more doing intri- a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, I would say in my later years, and this is not a book that I expect teenagers to read, although I have heard that teenagers do read it. Yeah. Um, it's a book called Godel Escher Bach. Okay. Um, it's about the mathematician Godel. Escher the artist and Bach the musician. Um, oh my gosh, I need to. Oh, please. Already, read this. I'm like, I yeah. need to read that. And the correlations between how maths, science, art, um, music really uses this idea of recursion to define self. Hmm. Um, but there, there is homework in this book and I have been trying to finish this book for many years. Wow. It is enormous and I get stuck and I get lost and I get confused and I so get So it's not one of those frustrated. things that you want to just like throw on an audiobook on your, on your commute home or something. I you do that have to too. Sit, yeah. Is it where you got to Google terms and stuff and. Oh yeah. I have to do that all the time. <laughs> um, I used to listen to the MIT lectures on the treadmill, <laughs> but you can kind of like watch it at the same time. Um, that to me, I would say, describes how, well, to start with, the the author of the book says that those three characters who are, you know, historical human beings mm-hmm. um, were actually the godfathers of artificial intelligence. And that to me is adds this layer of philosophy and understanding and interest and intrigue for me. Whereas, uh, and he often even uses this as a beautiful way of explaining the limitations of math, science, and music. Is that we we've given 
maths and science this grand ability to reflect what's happening in the real world, whether it's numbers as symbols or whether it's truly the symbols that we use in science. Um, They are just a reflection. They're not an exact replica of what happens in the real world. And actually there's this beautiful conversation around like how do we add the element of um, I would say uncertainty mm. that exists in the real world to maths and science and music. And that to me is something I get really excited and interested oh in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so I will link that book in the description below because we all need to read it. Sometimes I do miss, I learn things every single day, but sometimes I do miss the hardcore sitting down, really working your brain. Um, so that sounds fascinating. Um, so were you reading that in like high school, college? Okay, so no, that's I a wasn't. recent find. That's a recent. Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's probably been one of my books for the last eight maybe nine years wow um but I in high school it was a different sort of character my I didn't really want to study design because my mother was a designer and I was kind of rebelling and I was like oh no why would I do that like that's what you do um and my she's so proud now (laughs) (laughs) um and my dad in fact is also an entrepreneur um And he was super stoked that I got into like a reasonably prestigious university. But in a degree, I really didn't like that much. So it was an interesting conundrum that after my first year where I was really focused on languages and arts. What was the major? It was a Bachelor of Arts, but I I didn't have to choose a major in my first year. Um, And then then eventually at the end of the year, I went um, away with my mother and she said, look, why don't you think about design again? Here is like, here's what you'd study if you came and studied at one of her universities that she runs. Um, and I said, oh, that kind of looks great. This Casual. is actually not dissimilar to like what I'm really interested in. Yeah. Um, so I changed. Oh, so she won. She won. I changed <laughs> at a universities and I went to her design school and it was, it was truly amazing. But mm. harder work than I have ever done in my life. Wow. And I think, you know, at high school you certainly study into the wee hours, but I had a pretty – regimented schedule I was doing extension mass at 7 30 in the morning most mornings um and then into the evenings of all the extension classes you can imagine um and then when you go to university I mean I did four four subjects Mm. it was nothing and then when you go to design school it is hyper intensive it was nine to five five days a week and working till 2 a.m every night you could I barely held down a part-time job I did but it was so what are the subjects that you were taking during design school because my I don't know if it's someone's quote but my favorite theme around design is that design is invisible and it solves problems right if it's a good design people won't notice the design whatever you're doing just works right um but in order to do that, whether you're making a logo, a poster, you're making pants, there's so many things you have to think about. So like, what are the subjects that you study that prepares you for the real world? God, you have to do everything. Really? I mean, the way you talked about InDesign and Illustrator and Photoshop, of course you have to do all of those. Right. Then you have to do the, the business side and then you have to do like the pattern making side and the sewing and the garment construction side wow. and then the history side. And then honestly, you do everything. Yeah. And that's probably even just in the first semester right and then it just keeps building and building and building that's cool though because i i'm a big fan of i i try when when photo when music wasn't working actually um you know i wanted to be the guitar player the touring guitar player maybe taylor swift needs a uh 
guitar you'd be great you know you know <laughs> um, but when that dream wasn't really working out so well um i kind of dabbled in graphic design and from the outside it seems so easy right just slap some shapes together pick a font boom you got a poster you, you got you know a logo um but it is so much more than that right um and so for the people who think like I know we're, we're going to get into STEM subjects, but for the people who are really into art and they think they want to do a graphic design or something in that field, but maybe they're feeling discouraged in the beginning, like what do you have to say to them, whether it's words of wisdom or any like hardcore resources to, um, to seek out? For me, I mean, I, I hope this is useful information for people, but there is such a beautiful way of looking at even the most basic forms of design and for me a lot of that started with things like color theory and looking into the emotional aspects of color and when you start to dive into it you realize that honestly if you even just put on a different color during the day that'll change how you feel and if you eat off a different color plate that'll change how much you're hungry and how interested in food you are so color has such a like profound effect on the way we see the world it's not just color it's lion shapes proportions tones colors textures it's absolutely everything and and yes you're right there are beautiful designs that do fade into the background to almost become invisible um there's a it's Dita Rams who who actually is one of those object designers who people praise for his simplicity. Um, I actually have like come to a a new form of thinking around it, even though I praised him myself for many many years. I I actually don't I don't believe that everything should be entirely simple. I believe he, so. He had ten principles of design. So advice being, look up Dita Rams, spend some time. Um, the other piece of advice, by the way, and this is a little. Uh, naughty to say say it <laughs> but it, it's to go to bed with dead people meaning authors that have died <laughs> i love that though i've never heard it said like that so being very specific just <laughs> people who've come before you who know more or just know different things take right take it to bed read it understand right. it look through it study it i mean that's such a gift to have that time to mm -hmm. do that um but my contrary opinion to dita, Ram dita rams is I actually don't think that it's all meant to be simple. I actually don't think we all want to walk around looking like a Dita Rams radio or like a brawn piece of technology. I think we love intrigue. We love discovery. We love delight. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the more emotional you can get about design, the absolute better it becomes. Love that. So good. Um, so going back to school. So you, you went to design school, um, but I'm sure at some point you became very interested in, you know, the technology side of things. So how did you get into that world from the design world? Yeah. So after doing my undergraduate in design, I did a master's in design in Italy. The best. Nice. And the most bizarre year, like really? 18 months Italy? of my life. You're in Italy. In Florence. I've it was it's beautiful. Yeah. It was really. Did you eat so much gelato? All the things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> gelato, pizza, pasta. But I was tiny at the time. It's kind of bizarre. Let me say, different, different conversation. Um, the the part that I think really got me to this place is a little bit of how we started looking at knitwear as a technology, mm. and knitwear is you know jersey to walls to i mean you'll you'll see them everywhere mm -hmm. <laughs> there it's anything that's sort of looped together and there are these amazing knitwear machines where you learn to knit 
the the different types of knits from scratch and you have to sort of rewire them all yourself and you do this mm. and we're literally on these machines for hours and hours like days on end just trying out a new knit and trying out some new sequences and trying to do anything creative to make it new um but this is an old piece of me- mechanical technology right. that's clearly been updated through software that now is mostly automated um and the way we were integrating interesting fiber science these ancient but also evolving technologies Mm -hmm. for me that was the beginning of like oh there's something much more here and we're really only just seeing it and knitwear isn't really that popular or even retailed that well in Australia Mm -hmm. so I hadn't had that visibility of these kinds of technologies before I went over there Mm -hmm. um my first ever fashion parade in fact and I know that you don't call it a parade here you call it a show okay yes (laughs) yes oh my gosh that sounds so much more fun though I want to go to a fashion parade forget a fashion show Uh, it was sponsored by Woolmark Australia Okay. Which uh, at the time I think was called AWI, which was the Australian Wool Innovators. And they wow, said they would name. sponsor the fabric for a show that I was doing for breast cancer um, mm. at the Opera House in Sydney. And so beautiful. Um, so uh, beautiful. Goals. Hashtag goals. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, so beautiful, but also so bizarre that I was doing evening wear. <laughs> That's why it's bizarre. That's, yeah. But needless to say, they um, – the fabric they supplied was truly spectacular. Mm. There were these wool and soybean products that were totally water repellent. Uh, like, like, oh, God, I'm not going to get the – hydrophobic is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Um, then there was this, like, interesting bamboo and – I think it was a bamboo and metallic that was like a wool-suiting fabric. And I think this combined with my interest in knitwear and seeing how some of these like really interesting fibers performed, that's where I I got the most joy. Mm-hmm. And so you start, you know, it starts from like one little, I would say twitch. Right. And then suddenly you're deep diving into fiber science on the internet being right. like, oh, this must be possible. <laughs> um, but mostly I hadn't built anything. I just had the bank of knowledge in the back of my head right. because that's how I like to spend my Saturdays. <laughs> same girl it's okay I mean that's that's why you are where you are you know but I think that's what's so cool is um science and technology it really is everywhere whether you start in the arts or it's music or just maybe hardcore math there's so so much overlap with all of the subjects and um being an engineer major in college and then going over to computer science um it was you know it was an interesting environment because I was one out of three ladies in the class that were 30 to 40 dudes um and growing up I've always been like a tomboy so you know I know how to hang with the dudes right um but in terms of those like hard sciences and those classes you really need um collaboration for for you to thrive and so I think in those atmospheres um it can be kind of difficult right and so we're talking about women in STEM and girls in STEM and not just is the the visibility important um, in terms of, you know, women who are CEOs and engineers and all that, but also when you're learning, I think that's where it starts, right? So did you have any experiences with that, whether in school or, uh, you know, in entrepreneurship when you wanted to start a business? Um, did you encounter any difficulty with with kind of being maybe like not out of your element, but oh, interesting. There's not there's not as many uh, people who look like me around me. Yeah, I mean, I have 
I would say two optimistic stories and two less optimistic stories. Um, The two optimistic stories was I remember uh, my chemistry teacher telling me in, I don't know, grade 10, she was like, oh, it's really interesting. You always approach these chemistry problems totally differently to everyone else in the class. It's Hmm. really good. Hmm. And when you hear that when you're at that age – feeling like you're different is terrifying but she managed to frame it in a way that made me feel good about it Mm. and so I was I felt okay that I didn't answer the question the same way as everybody else even though I mostly got to the same solution um so having those people who believe in you but also choosing to I'd say feel that that was a positive comment that Mm. was that was a really important one for me the second one was my mathematics teacher my extension maths teacher would often ask us to juggle in our maths classes, especially when we had a challenge. Wait, literally juggle? Little, literally juggle. Wow. Um, and so I can juggle. Not can exceptionally juggle well. We should juggle yeah. together Apparently sometime. it's a left brain, right brain thing. Interesting. And so actually you, I mean, when you start juggling, you have to use both sides of your brain. Mm. And when you're solving really hard mathematical problems, you should be mm. using both, both sides of your brain. Um, so that to me gave me this hope that I was like, oh, I can learn to juggle. I can kind of do anything. <laughs> Which of course that. is crackers, but I... It gave me an understanding that it didn't always have to be so serious, that there was a way of solving problems that could be delightful and joyous. Mm-hmm. And and I come back to this idea of joy a lot because it's I think you've got to I hope to always be doing things that give me joy. And, you know, these projects with technology embedded in apparel really do give me so much joy. Um, and then one of the like I would say less positive stories and something that again, but I think you have to choose how you take these moments. Um, because there's no point in dwelling in the dirtiness of it all, mm-hmm. but you you should speak up when it really isn't right. right. And actually I had several moments with uh, bigger team members who basically would ig- ignore me mm-hmm. or like not even address me in meetings. Yeah. Um, kind of the attention d- will go to yeah. a certain person in the room. 100%. Like, yeah. oh, you- I've experienced that too. And it was, it was so on, but to the point where I just, I called him out on it. And then he did it again and I called him out again and then he did it again. I said, this is a true issue. Mm -hmm. I have now said it three times. This can't go on. I'm clearly solving the same problems you are. Let's work together. And and I think when you, you put the problem around solving the problem of the product rather than this is a me versus you thing, Mm -hmm. um, it's easier for people to get around it. Um, Although, I mean, I really want, stuff to stop (laughs) right 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 when it comes to technology like wearables that's the word um what is it about a smartwatch that is appealing and you see it being like forever in the future um but also something that it doesn't do and you know where you see the future of wearables going that necessarily isn't just on your wrist because that's obviously i guess the most adopted wearable so far for sure um, I mean, I'm excited by the smart devices on m- most forms of the body. I think, you know, these things have to start somewhere. And it was really exciting to see everything get to a really exciting price point and for things getting smaller and accessorized in a way that's actually really attractive um, and the technology getting faster and cheaper and more powerful. Um, that to me is always exciting. And I, and I think, you know, some of the classic companies that we all know and adore do a really good job and the technology is really good. What I want to see, um, I want to see it 
being about understanding the full human experience. So at the moment from your wrist, you it's normally one data point. So it's very hard to actually tell what's going on with your entire body or throughout your entire day. Mm. Um, I tend to think that most of the time it's dirty data because what happens on your wrist tends to have nothing to do with what's going on with your posture or how well you were on a bike today. Or yes, now the technology has got a lot more sophisticated. But in the early days, I thought that data was a little bit polluting. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think it has gone into a bigger question around how well we can value that early data. Um, what I get really excited about is it being very specific about a task, a moment that you're really trying to understand. I, I have gone beyond this idea of thinking that your quantified self or quantifying your life is the way forward. I think it is one piece to to really understanding what's going on with your body and your life and, and being able to live in this really beautiful way. I don't think it's going to be all about efficiency. Mm-hmm. And I would say I, I'm quite different in thinking about that compared to most Silicon Valley companies, CEOs, a lot of conversations come to me about the quantified self and I've spent a lot of time with that community. There's actually some really amazing quantified self communities in New York, both from a... What does that mean? The quantified self? Yes. I guess it's a community that really looks at quantifying all aspects of your life and that could be everything from your hormones to your exercise to what you're eating um, to the light that you're affected by during the day. It, It can be as minute or as grand as you would like. Um, and I've spent some time in the, the hyper female space, which was all around like understanding our menstruation cycles. And then I've spent time in the slightly more like masculine and testosterone driven space, mm-hmm. um, which was very much about high performance living. Where I have differed is that I actually realized that in quantifying a lot of my life, which I did do for you know, a six to 12 month period, and quite diligently, I'm um, to a point where I timed everything that I did in my life to make sure that I was optimizing it in the best possible wow. way. Um, but was that I, tiring? It was quite. Or was it rewarding? Yeah, what it was you quite got? rewarding. Okay, okay. Um, I mean, I realized how much time I waste doing my hair, which I mostly <laughs> have tried to get rid of now, actually. Just um, shave it all off. Yeah. You know, I wish I could just. It would simplify so many yeah, things. Yeah, so you know? many things. Um, needless to say, the the learning for me was actually that this idea of efficiency or like quantifying everything down to such a point that you've got everything timed perfectly actually doesn't allow for those beautiful gray spaces in between. And I actually think those gray spaces are the really powerful ones. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that I really want to design for um, because I think that that's where the magic happens in our lives. It's not when you're going from A to B in the perfect amount of time. It's actually when you're splashed by water on the side of the road, but mm-hmm. you're, you meet the person next to you and you have a conversation that might change your life. Right. Um, that- serendipity, guys. Exactly. Serendipity. Thank I you. live by serendipity. It's just being in the right places is half, half the game. You 100%. Know? Um, what do you think makes it unique to be a female CEO of a clothing and technology brand what is the unique perspective that you lend to wearable x um i mean it's quite a tough question but i think you know what we do as a company and i could never say that it was just me i certainly come with a team of people who are you know leaps and bounds smarter than i am um and that i think is part of the joy i hope what i bring to this space is an ongoing questioning 
of what not just what makes us human but why we should be designing for feeling and why we should be designing for emotional states and and why we should be using both the I would say an ancient spirituality to inform how we design technology and that combination of those two areas I think is the the one I would love to see explored further mm-hmm. um, and that we really want to own mm-hmm. in that it's not just about tech for the sake of tech it's really about technology asking you questions of yourself and your life and and that providing you with really unique experiences. I am very interested in this wearable tech future. And it's like, are we gonna have chips in our sweatshirts and stuff and in our pants? Um, Do you think that this is just the beginning? Like, what does the future of this technology look like? Yeah, um, I actually think it's about integrating multiple platforms that have already been built into apparel and into textiles. So there are gesture control fibers Hmm. that exist and there are haptic polymers that exist, which is basically, I mean, imagine a fiber um, that can create the same sensation that our pants do now. Um, Those things are just need to get to the right price point for everyone to be able to integrate Mm -hmm. them properly. And you know, these big pharmaceutical companies have already invested in these companies. So they mm. they know that this technology is going to be the future. It's all just a matter of time. Right. Um, for me, I always choose technology to, technologies that I think are associated with what you're doing when you're wearing this thing. So like I always try and come back to the human. So why do you wear your jeans every day? Is it because of comfort? Is it because of style? Is it because you're running around the city? Is it because you're getting on your bike? I mean, I certainly do that. I Mm -hmm. I always wear my jeans when I'm like riding from one place to another on my bicycle because it's so much easier and my other pants seem to get in the way a little bit. And whereas it's just because they're a step up from my sweatpants. There you go. That chicness <laughs> you <know>? right there. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would. For me, the you know throwing technology at products doesn't necessarily always work. But what is that human doing? And if you can see it from that person's perspective, mm-hmm. then there's really interesting ways of integrating technology into solving something that they they probably have a problem around. Definitely. What would you tell your twelve year old self? Ooh, I like this. I actually asked this on a dinner party on Saturday night, but it was to my 22-year-old self, um, which is quite different. I mean, I have a few answers, but I just want to make sure it's appropriate. One of them them is don't let boys be mean to you Mm. because I think I cared so much about what boys cared at that age because – I also went to an all girls boarding school. And so that comes along with its own yeah. <laughs> set of things. Yeah. Um, and so I think I was genuinely, I mean, I think I was just a bit upset here and then when things were said. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I don't think I had all of my vibrations intact to mm-hmm. be like, I can be a little duck and you can say that it's going to roll straight off like a drop of little water. Right. Um, That's not something that you're trained to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I would say those things to me. I would be like, you know, if you have your vibration at a certain level, you're a magnet to really great stuff mm. and things come to you rather than you having to like hunt things down. Love that. Um, that would be a nice one to hear at that age. Um, that, I guess the second one, well, the third one, uh, would be always listen to your gut. The, you know, your, our in- intuition and instincts are so strong and we really forget that mm-hmm. or we doubt it at some point in time. And I'm sure we do even well into our thirties and fifties. Um, but I, I think if you're reminded by that constantly by your future self, that'd be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
I think that there's there's something beautiful about just giving it a crack, like having a go, and and that's really all you've got. I mm-hmm. mean, like a famous rapper once said, "YOLO." <laughs> you know, you only live once. It's true. <laughs> that's so cool well heck yeah do what are future projects for you what is the future of wearable x or maybe you personally um some things that you're interested in what's what's gonna be happening yeah i had this beautiful reminder recently i was actually in india at the home of yoga um and i was speaking at a design conference and a girlfriend of mine who was similarly in this space gave a presentation on your true north and your magnetic north Hmm. and them not always being aligned um but remembering and being able to see both and knowing when your magnetic north takes you too far away from what your true north really is Hmm. um so for me my true north is about making really great products that make the human experience better Mm -hmm. um and and that is something i really care about and want to keep doing for the rest of time what that looks like for me is is certainly looking at the upper body um so what can we do with posture and what can we do with remote monitoring as i'm like slumped (laughs) over here what's posture (laughs) remote monitoring i think is a really exciting space so Mm -hmm. helping people with injury prevention and getting into physiotherapy um and then really exploring you know what does that mean to be able to help people who there's something absurd like a hundred million americans have some kind of like physical ailment that they never get fixed wow isn't that just wild that's actually pretty crazy yeah being able to help people who have something going on with their body and and whether it's a knee injury or a back injury or whatever it is we know how hard it is to get to the doctor and how expensive it is Mm -hmm. um so if we can help those people in some way shape or form i'll feel like i'm achieving my true north for the people out there that maybe are just starting out in high school or college um and they're thinking about pursuing a stem career of some sort do you have a really cool exciting story or something to share in your career that kind of made you be like this is why I'm here to encourage someone to try it out try out the science technology engineering math you know um anything stick out yeah but I don't know which one to choose (laughs) (laughs) um I was given a few unique opportunities that I could have honestly said no to and something pushed me over the edge to say yes but I always had that slight doubt in myself and often still do by the way um shut like being able to shush that sense of doubt every now and again uh, that would be the advice Mm -hmm. I have is it's it might always be there it Mm -hmm. may or may not um but being able to quiet it to really listen and smell what's going on around mm-hmm. you, to to hunt down that serendipity. You don't right. even need to hunt it. It just arrives. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really hope that people can have that moment. Um, for me, a lot of that came through like meditation and yoga. Um, being able to quiet my mind in general allowed me to be able to feel when I was in flow and when these things were going to happen. Um, but I think I really knew that I wanted to be here doing this when very similarly I had decided to come over for you know a month or two to explore what was going on in the states and um, I wrote three emails 
All three were responded within an hour. One got me a design residency at Shapeways, the 3D printing company at Mm. Mad Museum. One got me an apartment and one got me an interview with a company that then got me a huge consulting gig. And that all happened within the first month of being in the US. And I think when I started to see all these things happen, I was like, oh, God, i got to stay. I keep doing this. Something I'm doing is right. Mm -hmm. So listen to that. Whenever those things start to happen, remember to move. Mm -hmm. And I think opportunities like that and for me and my career I'm 24 but um, working on my lifelong career as a creator um, but also just putting things out in the universe and like speaking it into motion I'm a big believer in Um, and once you take that first step in creating and then you really seek out things that are are out there there's so many companies there's so many individuals that are literally funding um really cool opportunities in not just like art but also in engineering and um i i believe that you know i didn't stick with engineering but i got a really good scholarship um to be an intellectual engineering major just because i like graduated my top 10 percent of high school um and there's so many opportunities like that there's literal money just waiting to be thrown at you i feel like if you just if you put yourself out there and like seek out those opportunities and even creative fields you know I did the Adobe creative residency where Adobe paid me a year to pursue my passion projects and art and I think the biggest step you can take is that first step right and that's what's so cool to see you merging these two worlds of my favorite two things like design and technology um and yeah do you have anything else to say any inspiring words of wisdom for the youth's out there (laughs) no pressure yeah yeah, no pressure at all um if you had a megaphone you just shout it to everyone specifically to let's say the young women yeah yeah and since we're talking about girls in stem yeah maybe let's narrow it down to maybe a 12 a 14 year old girl who maybe wants to pursue computer science or technology or even art you know what what do do you say well i mean i think Again, I'm probably talking to my 12 and 14-year-old self a little, but I, I definitely wish someone had told me that, you know, my my maths career in high school could have led to an engineering career. No one did. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't something that was ever sort of given as an option for me. Um, delightfully, I managed to find my way into something that I'm really interested in anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's the advice actually is is more about there is no one path to get any to any one solution there are a thousand different ways that you could go about this and the way I've envisaged the universe is in fact everyone is standing on a revolving platform of sorts um imagine that your revolving platform could be a beautiful landscapey hill um but let's say you're standing in the middle and it's turning and when you're in the middle you feel very still And when you're on the edge, you feel the wind in your hair. And at any point in time, you can jump from platform to platform, but you just have to feel the breeze of the platform that's coming towards you. And when you feel that moment and you do jump, then you have an opportunity to do all of these magical things. Um, And it, it really doesn't mean that you have to follow a very linear path to get anywhere. In fact, the jobs that will be available even in five years' time probably don't even exist yet. My job's my jobs that I do on a daily basis are so diverse and so odd and 
obscure sometimes um and sometimes they're super traditional i'm on a computer emailing all day and mm-hmm. and that's part of it you never get away from emails by the way take english seriously <laughs> that's true it's all yeah i hated english in high school and i was like oh but well math and science are great right um but i kind of discounted english why do i need to learn how to write in a concise manner that is everywhere no matter what so i am a youtuber who's 30 percent of time takes up writing treatments and emails it's important yeah <laughs> it's true it yeah. doesn't it there's this wonderful thing that exists now where i think we're all hybrid humans yeah and and truly i think you know with looking at stem you will work across all of those aspects mm-hmm. you will work in science you'll work in technology you'll work in engineering and you'll work in maths maybe 500 times a day Mm -hmm. and then you'll also need to be really eloquent in your emails and be a wonderful human and kind so do your yoga (laughs) and make sure you stay in stem yes (laughs) beautiful ending billy thank you so much for being on if you guys want more podcasts you can come back every single monday for a new episode of that creative life make sure to subscribe on apple podcasts and spotify and also if you want to learn more about stem or maybe you have your own story about being a woman in STEM, hashtag she can STEM and check out other stories at she can STEM on Instagram. Again, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Until next time, guys, live your best creative life. Mm-hmm.